Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Back in My Day podcast, where the not-so-stereotypical millennials talk about the things they and properties that they loved from their past and how it relates to today. And today, we have a very big property we're talking about. We are continuing our series on or our talk on this Ahsoka series. And today, we're going to continue with part four, Fallen Jedi. We reviewed the first episode. Uh, check that out. That's two episodes ago on the main feed. And we also reviewed episode three on our Patreon, patreon.com slash back in my day. If you want to hear us dive deep into episode three, uh, we're jumping back here on the main feed to talk about episode four, such a monumental episode uh, partway through the season. We thought we'd uh, check in here with, with, with all our listeners and everything. So no Dave today. I'm the host, but I'm lucky enough to be joined by Ian Walter. And wife power. And my name is Michael R. Power. I don't know if I mentioned that yet. So Ian and uh, wife power. Here we are, episode four. Ian, right before we recorded, you said it was a monumental episode. Um, let's get into it. Thoughts on the episode. What do you think of it? Sure. All right, let's give a couple non-spoiler thoughts up top. I just thought, wow, like since we were gifted, I don't know, season two finale of The Mandalorian, the rescue, and even prior to that with Chapter 13, The Jedi, we've been getting some solid episodes of Star Wars, and this one is right up there with those two. I think it's probably one of my favorite episodes. Maybe not as high as I got when I watched the Season 2 finale of The Mandalorian, but pretty close to it. This episode was near perfect from start to finish, so uh, okay. I don't have any notes, really. I just, uh, I'm real anxious to get to next week to see what happens i i heard that actually part five is going to be they're putting it in theaters so i might actually try and run what? To Are you the theater to watch this yeah that's awesome because they haven't been that long so uh, i'm surprised maybe it's gonna be a longer one okay wife power you've sort of been uh middling on the show a little bit what did you think of episode four um i liked it i think i'm missing like the bigger pieces of why it was so monumental um but as we we dive into the episode here, things might unravel for me a little bit. Yes, luckily we have Ian here, our our Star Just Wars into the next half hour of Inside Baseball, <laughs> another back in uh, halftime show. <laughs> yeah, so I'm uh, I'm right with you guys. I thought it was a great episode, a lot of action, which I love to see in Star Wars. And you know, this series is actually. It's not been a slow series. There's been a lot of action, which I, which is good for Star Wars, and I really enjoy. And the story, it's sort of, it's the central mystery or MacGuffin, I guess, of the story that they're kind of trying to get this other galaxy. It's kind of, it's moving pretty fast, right? It's episode four now, and um, they've made significant progress um, compared compared to where they were in episode one. So I think that's a good sign for the show, and. I'm excited to see where it goes. And so let's get into the deep, like let's get into the three act deep dive, our deep dive on, on the episode. Uh, why don't you start, start us off Ian and talk about the first, uh, first few scenes. Sounds good. So we mentioned in the past how this one feels more like a long movie than maybe some of the other shows mm-hmm. like that are more episodic. So this one definitely picks up where the last one left off. I mean, they're stranded on Citos where they're hiding out. Um, and planning the next move against the villains. So we've got, you know, the Ahsoka's ship, the, you know, it's call sign Fulcrum with uh, Ahsoka, 
Huyang and Sabine, and Huyang's working on the ship. Sabine's trying to help, and Ahsoka seems to be meditating or you know checking checking it out, checking out the scene outside. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're just about to embark on their next move, which is probably to find the the base on Sitos. And uh, meanwhile, over in like you know the New Republic. Hera, just like I suspected, is not going to stay out of the fight long. She wants to get get out there and help her friends. So she goes against, you know, the orders of Mon Mothma and the Senate. The Senate, and she jumps in the ghost, and she's off with her Phoenix Squadron, which is led by none other than Captain Carson Teva of uh, Paul Paul Sun Hung Paul Sun Hung Lee of uh, Kim's Convenience. So that was Canadian. Nice, yeah. That was a nice little uh, reprisal for him, and he gets to join them, but I don't know if he wants to go on this journey because it's going to get bumpy. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it was just basically a little bit of setup there, only to get bring us back to Sitos, where the real action begins. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's let's talk about the lead-up to this action, and then the first little action sequence here, where it's basically Hu Yang trying to fix the ship. He gets ambushed by an HK-100 uh, droid and some of those assassin dudes, uh, and he actually holds his own, throws some some hands as he yells for help. Finally, gets the attention of of Ahsoka and Sabine, and then the action is on. And they basically come out in force with a Jedi and a Mandalorian fighting side by side, and a droid doing what he can. Uh, I thought it was a pretty cool opening action sequence, and I think the episode doesn't really slow down from here on out. It kind of just yeah fires was... on all cylinders right up until the end. So. It was awesome. And when they crashed on that wood planet, like the episode before, I really thought we were going to get like a whole episode, maybe two of sort of the stereotypical, like they're camping out on the planet, they're hiding, they're going to have some character moments, making s'mores around the campfire, whatever the Star Wars calling s'mores is. An episodic series would definitely have. Yes. The fact that it just jumped right into the action, I was just like pleasantly surprised with that. And then a tight 40 minute episode too, just to be so action packed. I thought it was awesome. What do you think, White Power, of the beginning? And cool seeing the Hu Yang, is that um, a, a yeah. droid that can fight like like with martial arts almost, like a droid. Well, that, that seen that it before. makes sense when you think about uh, how many decades, how many centuries has he been training Padawans mm-hmm. with his skills. So yeah, it makes sense. And they showed him off earlier training, so he does have some you know skills. So I thought that was cool. That's something I haven't seen before. Wife Power, what did you think at the start of the episode? So I did remember that Ian called that Hera wouldn't stay out of the fight for long. I actually, like, as soon as it she got in the ship, I kind of looked at Micah. I was mm-hmm. like, Ian called it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that was kind of cool. I, re- I like her character. I guess she's not expecting a bit, like, a big fight when she goes on her trip though because she brings her son with her that was like a little bit so a lot of people were surprised about that but i'll just step in and let you know like even from birth like she's been bringing him along mm-hmm. uh, so it's just it's just kind of a thing like at the end of rebels you see he's just in the cockpit with her she just brings him everywhere she goes <laughs> so. mm-hmm. cool character terrible parents yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've got a bad feeling, mother. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but yeah, I thought it was it was a good start to the episode. Like, like said, I wasn't 
really expecting it to be to just like jump into it like that i think yeah, that right. they, it was gonna like take more time for them to like it seemed like a pretty big planet so i thought mm-hmm. it would take a bit more time for them to actually like find them in the ship but, but well, i guess but too like they didn't really establish how long it took to find them like for us it seems almost immediately but like they could have been on the planet for like a couple days now we just didn't see them like muddling around um i think that it's mentioned that they're only 12 clicks away whatever that means in the star wars galaxy but it doesn't seem like they're too far off Mm -hmm. okay all right so what happens next then ian all right well from here on so again i mentioned like being how the zone it was kind of cool uh We've got a little bit of that dynamic between Sabine and Ahsoka where Ahsoka is basically cautious about bringing Sabine along because mm-hmm. she knows what's at stake. And she's still training her, but she's still very young in her training. Like, very, like she's not very far along. So, you know, there's this idea that, you know, you, you're, you know, the Mandalorian and the Jedi way are just so different. It's so interesting to watch Ahsoka try and deal with Sabine because... Basically, like she's has a heavy attachment to Ezra Bridger, which is kind of being uh, parsed out here as we go. But it's it it's becoming more apparent how much her attachment to Ezra Bridger is going to weigh on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, like uh, you know, Ahsoka's trying to get assurances. Like, are you going to be, you know, are you going to can I count on you? Um, you know, are you like she's she's throwing them out there. She's throwing the feelers out there, and it's not like she's not getting exactly the responses you would want to get from a padawan so it's interesting what they're setting up for here but then hu yang says to them please just follow my advice stay together and off they go they get right into it here as they run through the forest heading towards the base and skull had already ordered shinhadi and Marak to go and cut them off at the source because he knew that they would make short work of the rest of the hk and the the troops so here we go 2v2 showdown in the forest it's uh quite the pairing uh we knew we'd have a rematch between sabine wren and shin hadi we also have a rematch between ahsoka and Maroc. and i thought both of these battles like if this is all we got in the episode i thought they were pretty intense i remember like thinking to myself like wow this episode's already so great imagine if we got at least one more surprise towards the end which i I'm sure we get a, a couple more at least. So like there's a lot going on inside this episode as far as the action uh, is driven 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 the story here. But what did you guys think of the battles here? We had a pretty cool uh, fight between Ahsoka and Maroc that uh, ended in dust. And then yeah. we had the, the ongoing saga between Sabine Ren and Shin Hati. Power. Yeah, no. What do you think of this? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was cool. I like the, the, the showdown of the, you know, 2v2 showdown and it kind of paired off and my favorite character Miroc is it or Merrick I don't know but yeah what do you think of the how we were speculating how it might just be a faceless baddie that we never yeah I love seeing him again I thought it was going to be cool if it was someone that was going to speculate but when he turned out to be just like smoke it just instantly thought of um, that character from Hellboy if if you've seen Hellboy 2 there's the Johan Kraus, and he's right. like a, it's like the same idea. He's like, he's basically made of smoke, and he 
basically feels like an airtight suit, and that's how he kind of like moves around. And it's, it's characters. That's right. By Ahsoka defeated Noob Sabat. Yeah, it's just I just remember, yeah, or Noob Sabat. I just that made me instantly think of that character from from Hellboy Two, which is another great movie. But um, I don't know. I I don't know if I would be disappointed if if that's all it was, and he was just a smoke monster. And now he's gone. Like I hope there's more to it. Maybe it's like. The sm- someone was controlling him from the galaxy and the smoke was his way of, of controlling the suit from far away. Like something like that. I think there's something going to be more to it because it's such a cool I, character I have design. a take, but I want to hear from Wife Power before I Okay, that. so that's my guess. It's someone else and they sort of, I don't know, somehow put their consciousness into the smoke and then it filled the suit. I don't know if that's my only guess, but what do you think, Wife Power? Of the whole thing, the I, showdown and the... Oh, yeah. The showdown was really cool. Um, I liked the um, how she was using the double lightsabers. So Ian, we were, or I guess we can talk about it later. But um, yeah, I think if it just ends up being that that character is just smoke, I think it's going to be a bit anticlimactic. Like they made it too cool of a character for it just to kind of yeah be that um, so i'm hoping it leads to like something more um yeah other than that like the the lightsaber battles in this episode were really cool to watch mm-hmm. yeah they're yeah really great action choreographed yeah um i like the dynamics of both of them we had uh you know so because all has been really strong with the lightsaber and we have that moment where she takes out Morak with is just like a samurai one strike he's coming at her with a spinning blade and she just finds that perfect moment to strike him down. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Well, they, it's like that classic samurai thing, right? And, and, you know, Filoni is so inspired by samurai movies. And it's yeah, like they kind of they, go with that final strike and then you don't know for a second who got who and then you kind of see I feel them. like maybe one of the, maybe even the first Visions episode had a similar thing yeah. happen, right? Yeah. yeah. With, with the Ronin. I think so, yeah. Um, and so we mentioned up top when we first covered this series, I think Dave was saying, like, it's very apparent that this guy looks like an Inquisitor. So at right. the very least, you know, we know his name, Maroc, and we know he's potentially uh, one of the Inquisitorious trained uh, fallen Jedi kind of deal. But... Um... <laughs> uh, no, but I, here's the thing. I think it could just stop there and, like, as with Star Wars, you, you can always get a little bit more backstory, you know, at a future date. Mm-hmm. But as far as like any further reveals in this series with pertaining to the character, the only thing I could think of is a little bit more with the the idea of the smoke and the fact that there was a green tinge to it. Was this someone that um, the Night Sister Morgan Elizabeth uh, was able to kind of uh, conjure, like a past fallen Jedi or something, conjure mm-hmm. him into the suit? and use him for the, these nefarious purposes that that would be a cool touch but i don't know like it just looked I like love the design of that something of that mystical involved yeah. with the smoke and everything like that yeah so we might more to it but I, just I think do that and maybe leave it. morgan elizabeth had had something okay. to do with it because of the green mist that's good but what do you think of it but yeah, seeing the, him the turn to dust was incredible and watching sabine again love that she came out blasting with like her sort of Mandalorian skill set, because she's leaning on what she knows as opposed to just starting with the lightsaber, knowing that she's inferior to Shin Hattie. So she's, she tried to take her down uh, with all sort of every weapon in her arsenal. And I love that moment 
where she eventually does go to the lightsaber because it's kind of like she's falling back on that because she's now in like close uh, quarters right but basically she goes to use the force or fake her out with the force and then that's when shin hattie comes in with the realization you don't have power but then what does she do she just fires her wrist rockets yeah i love that moment because like it was so subversive like yeah you know she doesn't and it would have been super cheesy i feel like if they gave her the force in that moment but to kind of fake you out with the the fact that she is mandalorian she's got more weapons in her tool set i thought it's way more i don't know way more poetic or or way better written than if it's like she doesn't have the force but she is a mandalorian and she kind of uses that to her advantage the fact that she doesn't have a force but she is a Mandalorian, yeah. right? And she kind of uses yeah. that. That's that your weakness is your advantage. That kind of old trope, right? So yeah, I, yeah, I, I, loved, I really like that. That was good. Call I out. loved both, and I couldn't help, uh, especially because I I watched it again before we talked about this. I couldn't oh, help nice. notice that again, they're not really putting some respect on Hu, Hu Yang's name. They're not sticking together. I mean, the second mm-hmm. they have an opportunity to split up, Sabine tells Ahsoka to go for the map, you know, and then of course Balin's skull is waiting. Yes. Not for her, and what an incredible face-off this yeah. was! If if, if the Maroc that, yeah. fight was mm-hmm. was something to behold, this one was like just right up there with it, and and it was a lot more cerebral because we're not just dealing with a faceless baddie; we're dealing with Ray Stevenson's portrayal of Balin Skull, and he's actually, you know, kind of invested in this, um, you know, this this feud, I guess, between Ahsoka that that she's basically she mentions like she's bringing this on him like he mm-hmm. he didn't necessarily want to you know put her down or anything like that but she brought the fight to him so and that was I a great it. battle and i want to ask you guys both wife power and ian did you think that that lightsaber battle uh is gonna go down or be debated as one of the best like lightsaber fight scenes in star wars because i was thinking that while watching it the ray stevenson one yeah yeah. yeah, I think I think he's he's been phenomenal all throughout the series, and like I said it last time, I just I feel like we were robbed of a great talent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the fact that Ray Stevenson passed away, but whatever we get, you know, from now to the end of this series, we've already kind of got some amazing stuff from him, and uh, you know, he, he was able to best Ahsoka in this battle. Mm-hmm. So she was she's still conflicted. She's like you know. She comes from great Jedi training. She's got the skills. She's got the talent. But ultimately, this is a cerebral battle happening as well. So it's not just about your physical prowess. And in this moment, she's still got this thing going on with Sabine, where at first um, she thought Shin Hattie returned, so that must mean Sabine's dead. Then she force chokes Shin, basically throws her against the, the rock, which I thought was pretty incredible and then this is kind of this whole return of sabine and then her with the map is throwing ahsoka off and she's been pushed to the edge and then knocked right off and we'll we'll touch on what happens to her at the end here but uh wife power what do you think of the battle between balin and ahsoka and then you know the sabine of it all getting getting involved in it yeah i it was pretty cool i don't know if i would say I'm also not like a huge Star Wars person so like to think of all the lightsaber battles there have been but I feel like I've seen better 
Um, but I think what you're saying, Ian, it's like it wasn't just the combat that was cool. It was like it was the dialogue between the, the two of them that kind of like added to the battle a bit. Um, the question I was kind of thinking, because it's like when she fought Marab, she had the, the two um, lightsabers. But then when she, in this battle, she only had the one. So is it the, the same lightsaber and it just can like turn from one to two and like vice versa or does she just not pull out her second lightsaber in this battle she she has two whether or not they okay. connect, I, i've never seen her connect them but she has two it was an interesting choice that she went with one i don't know if that was like supposed to represent her discipline or mm-hmm. anything like that but like basically you're right like we've seen her wield both and she's pretty good with both i thought that she was doing one so that he wouldn't see the second one coming but it never came to that. I was expecting um, it to. I was going to pull yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah, for me, I think it was. I really like the way the fight was choreographed because, like, a lot of the fights you get now are, are, you know, with the CG we have now, they're very like fast and a lot of flippies and you know what I mean, like acrobats. This was like he's an older guy, but he's strong, and so he's using he's doing these like big, powerful kind of swings, and and you really feel the impact every time it hit her lightsaber. I thought it was like, it was really cool. And yeah, what they were saying. And I love his character. He's like, he's, he's a bad guy or he's on the side of the bad people, but he's also like a really noble character at the same time, which is super interesting. I've never seen before. Like usually the people who fight for the bad guys, like in the history of Star Wars, like you always like make them really like scummy, like child murderers, like obviously bad, or he like has a lot of nobility like he's just on the other side, but like he he well, sticks to his word when he makes a word. He doesn't want to kill Ahsoka. You know, he says it would be a shame yeah. if she was die, but he's he's aligned himself with a certain side that he believes in, and he's gonna do just like the good guys are gonna do whatever they need to do, and that you know they don't yeah. like killing either, but they will if if it's you know if it's to save lives and it's versus someone on the bad team. And he's kind of like the same way. He's just like on the wrong team. Yeah. Well, I agree in that he is very well written and. You know, even though he's clearly on the dark side versus Ahsoka mm-hmm. being on the light side, it's like there's a parallel between them because they both are people who walked away from the Jedi Order and, and still maintain a certain level of respect for it. It's mm-hmm. not like they completely want to... They'll take the teachings with them, yeah. right? They just yeah, walked yeah. away from the Order because it lost so, its way. So that even adds a little bit more nuance to the whole idea mm-hmm. of like good and evil and, you know, are you using the force? I mean, we saw Ahsoka use a little bit of dark side powers against Shin Hadi. You know, we we know that um, I'm sure Balin Skull considers the light side of all things as well, like in his sort of uh, wonderings, because he's not like a mustache twirling villain. So it's just that that propensity though to stay on the dark side, and we we see this in the next part because what happens was he dispatches uh, Ahsoka. And then he moves on to Sabine. And instead of uh, challenging her to a duel, he basically has already seen it. Like, he's read her mind. He knows her feelings. Mm-hmm. He knows that she wants what he wants. She wants to use the map to find Ezra Bridger. Like, he wants to use the map to find Thrawn, but they're both together in this other galaxy. So they are already aligned. All he has to do is subtly sort of twist her fate and boom like he has her and he didn't even have to fight yeah, i wasn't sure if he was jedi mind tricking her there or is there something like why Farrah and i were i was thinking out loud is there a love story or 
uh, connection between Ezra and Sabine? Um, are they like in love, or are they it's hinted at having a romantic relationship in any of the other? Star I think Wars it, stuff? at this point, especially because this feels like a new jumping on point for people, mm-hmm. where they haven't really like given us facts to to say one way or another. I would say like as much as Ray and Ben Solo could have been an item, it's like it's like in Rebels. Ezra had a crush on her, but she never really allowed it to materialize in anything. They they end up feeling more like a sibling type of relationship in this family of the Ghost crew. So it could be one of these things where they decide to develop into something more. But right now, she just considers him like the only family that she has left because her actual family was on Mandalore when they got when the purge happened. And we know Star Wars isn't opposed to kissing siblings, right? <laughs> I knew you were gonna go there. <laughs> but but honestly, this was some powerful stuff. Uh, Ray Stevenson, like, just kind of he's like twisting the knife a little bit because he knew he had her right between a rock and a hard place. Like she, like, so yeah, it's it. great. It was a the... great. Like he already had his fight, and then he's using his other skills of persuasion. Or I, like I said, was he? I don't know if he was sort of. Jedi mind tricking influence her a little bit, or so, she. I think it's already that. like Ahsoka had already called it. Like you're, you're going to be faced with a difficult choice. I'm right. willing to make the choice. I'm right. not so sure you are, kind of thing. To leave and, Ezra, and clearly she called it correctly because. So this is the part where it's like, it's a very big reveal to have Sabine like decide to basically, let's say go dark side, but that's essentially what she's doing by going with Balin Skull, right? So. And like allowing these guys to join up with Thrawn is is like making the decision to potentially start another war in your galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's like it's a big thing. So my thing is, did she truly fail Ahsoka in the purest sense, like a betrayal, mm-hmm. or is she playing the long game and she saw no other angle? Like, is she playing an angle where she can like join, yeah. align with Balin's call to get there, and then? Mm-hmm. Flip that's back, what I kind of thought. What do you think, White Power? Because I know you were kind of confused by by Sabine having that kind of turn. Yeah, I I personally found her like really annoying in this part of the episode, and I and I don't know if that's just like my lack of like knowing the character like from Rebels, but I just. I don't understand why she it's it could just kind of seem like and maybe like the episode was running out of time but it just seemed like Ray Stevenson's character didn't even really have to try hard to like convince her to give him the map like it was just it just seemed too easy like she just flipped too quickly for me and I, I guess I'm just like the motivation there is just missing for me because it's kind of like I just don't and again, I don't know anything about her relationship with Ezra, but it's like she and doesn't that, even know that's that what this it comes guy... down to. It's like his her brother, basically. So like... I yeah, kind of saw it like... as her calculating her head, like it's worth it to me for them to find Thrawn if I get to find Ezra, and that's why I thought there was a sort of romantic. But she's risking a, but... a war in her entire galaxy, and she doesn't even know if he's alive. So it's just it's it. How Let's easy of a decision it was for her to like hand it over, like or how quickly she decides to hand it over, like it just 
it was, I didn't really like it. Like I just, it, uh, it, I found it more annoying than anything. You found so, her more annoying, yeah. Like Ezra's a tricky one, especially because this is the, this is the tightrope they they chose to, like essentially like this episode i when i finished not only was i blown away because it's one of my favorite episodes of star wars period but i was also like oh this is like this is the divider like this is oh, what's yeah. going to send it's some people into the in deep the end yeah like whatever happens next episode this it's going to be directed by dave filoni so you know it's going to be like the pivotal episode mm -hmm. of the series where it's going to set the pieces in place for you know the the back end of the series but it's also going to be the crux right it's gonna like it's gonna explain what this sort of teasing the world of worlds thing like what all this mystical shit is has to do with ahsoka and what the whole point of this series is is probably gonna be touched on in the next episode right so that's where it gets tricky it's like i know how influential ezra was for throughout the first the four seasons of rebels but you guys like yeah okay Ezra, you know that they want to find him but mm -hmm. that seems like a side plot to stopping throne but like it's also like the way rebels ended was they went off together so he uh ezra made a self-sacrificing play to take throne off the board right yeah so, so now they go the off case, together so her, like, sabine like... wants to see this through which is what ezra was talking about but i don't, I don't know if he was meaning it the same way um, yeah. So it's interesting, all these kind of pieces. And now we have Ahsoka, who did not get to take the journey. So let's just talk about the, the final action piece right, here, yeah. which is basically this incredible hyperspace jump, probably the biggest, most bombastic hyperspace jump, maybe next to like the whole maneuver. Should I? But, but yeah, Mr. <laughs> bombastic. He, they all jump and they don't care that Phoenix Squadron is in their way and they kind of plow right through them mm -hmm. to, to take this journey off to Thrawn and Ezra's galaxy. So uh, Hera's thrown off, but Hera and Carson Tever are fine. A couple of the X-Wings, they blow up. But now everyone's gone, and no one can follow them, or can they? So the only one that might be able to follow them is probably Ahsoka, right? And what happened to her... He destroyed gonna... the map, right? I don't think we touched that, but they destroyed the map so no one could follow them. That was part destroyed of the map. Who knows if like part of it was imprinted in her hand because yeah. she got burned by it. But basically, oh. like she has probably the only the best shot at following and it's probably has to do with the surprise ending. So with all the twists and turns that this episode took, nothing was more bold than what happened in the final minutes of this episode. What did you guys think when Ahsoka wakes up? She's not in the water where it kind of it shows where she fell, shows the waves, but she wakes up on a platform. And I know this to be the world of worlds. And it's what I've been talking about where I, I never thought live action would dare to go which is starting to deal with like space-time continuum of the Star Wars galaxy. It's right. starting to deal with like real kind of high-level shit, a little bit more aligned with like Marvel and the MCU and the multiverse and shit like that. So um, what did you guys think of this surprise reveal? Because Ahsoka wakes up on the platform and who is she faced with but her old master, Anakin Skywalker. Yes, and Hayden, Hayden Christensen, Christensen another Canadian. White power, what do you think? I thought it was pretty cool. I think Mike and I both kind of were, because he was kind of asking me about where she, like, where she landed, because it was, like, obviously, and you mentioned, like, it's not where she fell. And I was like, I don't think we're supposed to know where she is, but I guess you know where she is from watching 
other Star Wars stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was pretty cool to see um, Anakin come back. They've obviously, I think they've de-aged him because I don't think Hayden yeah. Christensen looks that young anymore. Yeah, um, well, why, they, why do they have to de-age him? Because he he's because presumably they're in like limbo or hell or heaven or Jedi Jedi limbo is kind of like she fell, she not she's dead, but she's not dead. She's kind of in that limbo and kind of like mm-hmm. the ancestral plane in Black Panther. Yeah, see this in a lot of um, a lot of like movies like shows like this. So that, that kind of once he showed up and you know, she kind of woke up and he showed up. I kind of was like, okay, I didn't know there was a name for it. Like you said, in like World of Worlds or whatever. So mm. to me, I thought it was just Jedi Limbo and he's hanging out That's there. Fair. And he has like a ghost or a force ghost kind of deal, but more full because it's, it's Limbo. right. Uh, did you guys watch Tales of the Jedi, those six shorts that they put on? Yes, the we did. So, so that's like your, your entry point into kind of like what Clone Wars is done mm-hmm. in the same style and Rebels. Um, so it's it's told in the same way, and it uh, very much I thought Tales of the Jedi applied to Ahsoka. The three of the ep- three of the episodes yes. were about her. Um, the first one was her origin story, mm-hmm. and then uh, we had one where she was training, and that was a pivotal scene because Anakin was teaching her exactly what she needed to do to survive Order sixty six, which is what Dave will tell you you see when you watch her finish out the Clone Wars series. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then it finished off with her fighting an Inquisitor. And it also, he turned to dust, didn't he? No? Can't remember. Um, but I, I, all this is to say, I do want to do a, a, talk a little bit about Rebel spoilers, but I also want to give you guys a homework assignment for next <laughs> all week. Right. Homework. Is, School I, did start I want this you week. So. To go to Rebels and watch one episode, The Twilight of the Apprentice, I believe it's called. Um, and basically that will shed a little bit of light on, uh, Anakin and, uh, Ahsoka's backstory. Okay. And it's an ep- a powerful episode of Rebels. And there's, there are some other episodes that connect to that, that will play into what's going on in this final scene here. But, um, yeah, I feel like you guys should watch that one and, and come back and let me know what you think. Uh, it also okay. plays into what's going on with the Obi-Wan series and to, to, uh, Pick up on what you said there, boy. Power about the de-aging. They did not choose to de-age Hayden in the flashback sequences in the Obi-Wan series. So I guess this time around, they decided to touch him up a little bit because he was looking a little older in those flashback scenes. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm doing a bit of a tightrope right now, even talking to you guys because mm-hmm. the show is doing a tightrope, right? It's it's trying to engage new audience and be just a standalone great Star piece of Star Wars, while also, and this is a big piece, like catering to the crowd that's seen Clone Wars and not even just Clone Wars, but like, even if you had just seen Rebels, that would be enough because this very much like I've said before, feels like season five of Rebels. So yeah, it's like this weird thing. It's like, I can see both sides. I can see yeah. my car, how you might be lost in all of this, but because I have the other knowledge, I'm like, Oh, but it's so good. Like if you only knew, because he has all these fans, all these fans of the characters that he's created through or, Filoni, I'm talking about, has created, yeah. and, well, Lucasfilm has created through the cartoons, and they don't just want to like uh, discard all that and like not make it worth all those people's time, all the fans' time watching all those cartoons, right? They want to make it pay off, but then also make it accessible to new viewers. And I think this is where Wife Power is kind of saying she's not finding it as accessible. She, too, there's too much unexplained, and 
I'm I know a little bit about the cartoon stuff, and so I'm just sort of along for the ride and willing to see where it takes me. And I think it's done a pretty good job. But I think it's quite the surprise ending because I think like I feel like it's about to blow this whole thing. Kind of deal because I feel like it's it's only going to get crazier throughout the back half of this season. So like the next four episodes is only going to get more and more. Like I'm sure there's going to be a lot more exposition. There's going to be a lot more like ex- trying to explain and get everyone more on the same page. Um, so it's it's going to get crazy. And I think inherently like it's a crazy reveal whether you know what's going on with the world between worlds or not. You just see like the return of Hayden Christensen and against Skywalker. So I think like at its base level, it's exciting um what the implications of that i'm also going to try and temper my expectations and do this bit of a, a tight row because i don't want to get too much into the weeds even with you guys because i want there to be some surprises still it's kind of like when you've read the book you know what i mean yeah um so so all i'm going to say is like mm-hmm. i think you're right to have your expectations just as a as a general audience like that is something like limbo that like I'm thinking from that angle, it could be like Force Ghost of Anakin returning to uh or sort of talking to Ahsoka because she's been knocked down and therefore is kind of in the limbo, like you said. But because I know the other side of it, the implications of the world between worlds, all I'll say is that like it's more of like this kind of space that like the TVA, the quantum realm, like it exists like outside of space and time and you can use mm-hmm. it and it's like the knowledge of his pathways to go to other places, other points in time in the Star Wars, in the Star Wars galaxy. And that has scary implications as far as like being able to, I don't know if it's a retcon, but being able to fuck with the original trilogy, right? Like being able to fuck with events if you go to specific places within the world between worlds. So it's about to get crazy is what I'm trying to say. And, that's like the Lego, you know, um, the Lego Christmas special. And like, and yeah, I actually listened back to our episode on that yeah. because I was like warning. I was like, I hope this is the only place we find <laughs> time travel in Star Wars is the Lego <laughs> thing. But now we're actually starting to see this stuff pop up in live action. So pretty crazy implications there. Like uh, just because you know, they went to for... that place doesn't mean that they will do time travel, right? They could modify it a bit and exactly. say in the live action version it doesn't include time travel which i think would be smart or just like or just the 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 limited number of characters that get a chance to experience right. it their choices inside of it can determine Don't ultimately the damage that can be done right, right. so so it's all going to come down to the writing but it's going to be interesting to see what happens and yeah, I mean, at the very least, we got this ending with Anakin Skywalker, and we don't know, given the way the score goes, I don't know if that's just, like, Ahsoka's dread creeping in, because she knows ultimately what happens to Anakin, but it's also that great Vader theme that creeps in. Okay, so is, is there going to be him? more to this, that it's not just going to be Anakin Skywalker that we know and love from the Clone Wars? No one loves it. <laughs> okay. Wow. Is it possible? Because he was a hero until he wasn't, right? He hates sand, but we love him. Um, is it possible yeah. to? <laughs> is it? My power shaking your head. Is it like? Is it possible for him to like leave the world of worlds and like we get us like this is crazy pants territory? Like we get a scene of like Anakin and Ahsoka like fighting Thrawn or fighting. Uh, okay. <laughs> Was Balin. So, 
aside from the fact that I've given you a bit of homework to go and check out some of these Rebels episodes, two-part finale of season two of Rebels was called The Twilight of the Apprentice, but I would urge you to go check those out, but I don't, even I don't know what they're going to do with this Anakin situation, but I would say this, that I think that there's something to be said for the fact that they de-aged him, like you said, wife power, and and you made the comment too, uh, Mike, is that they're making a choice to de-age him. It's not like just a version of him, like like a force ghost could be older or whatever. But like, um, you know, it, this he's is... also wearing his like old, yes. like older robes. They're like exactly. they're not the darker ones that he wears in the third movie. They're the the lighter like brown colored ones. So like, yes, I'm so assuming my... there's some significance there. My hope for this reveal is that basically she's encountering Anakin, who we never knew had a mission some point in time between episodes two and three. He was on a mission and he found himself wound up in the world between worlds. And they're having this intersection at different points in their lives where Mm -hmm. she can't reveal to him what is he's about to become because she doesn't want to mess with you know ultimately the timeline so she basically has to have an interaction maybe gain some knowledge from her former master and let him continue on down his dark path because if she messes up anything that could literally be it's funny that we're talking about this like they they're playing with us right now because they know (laughs) that the dark the hardcore fans are like you can destroy all yes. that we know and love with the touch of a finger here. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, maybe they can retcon no more Star Wars stories on Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So... They just go back in time, blow up Tatooine, and there's never uh, <laughs> Skywalker saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want to do that. Um, for the record. Okay, so White Power, any last last thoughts? Or you? Um, no, I think we covered it all. We got our, our homework for, oh, you know what I did want to say is because Ian's given us homework. We have to go back and watch like a couple of episodes. You have to give us homework? (laughs) No, No, but I was going to say like Star Wars is getting so big now. It's like all the TV shows and all the movies and stuff that they might even have to start taking a page out of the Marvel book and start doing like a star wars legend series because like i'm yeah. really enjoying the show but again it's like i have all these like black holes that i just can't fill or like can't piece characters motivations and it's like it's slightly ruining it for me whereas like if they had like really cool. a star wars legend thing where i could have like gone back and watched a two minute like thing of like Sabine and then like a two minute thing of Ezra and like just kind of like get some backstory like the important backstory pieces of these characters going into the show like they did those with like all the rebels and Clone Wars content in there that'd be sick yeah that'd be awesome yeah because it's like it is a good because like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is getting quite complicated with all the movies and all the characters and stuff so it's like you can watch these newer things by going back and watching these legend clips. And it's it, like you could watch five characters and it only takes 10 minutes of your time. And it's kind of like catches you up to a point where you're like, okay, I understand what's going on to like go into the next thing. So I feel like something like that is almost missing from this show that I think for like 
people that aren't as invested in the Star Wars universe as like I am like I said most of my experiences these new TV shows and the movies I haven't seen any of the anim like animated stuff except for you mentioned it Ian but I forget what it was called oh Tales of a Jedi we watched that one mm. um but that's pretty much all I've watched of like the animated Star Wars thing so like bringing characters from that animated world into like live action it's like I'm missing a lot there and like something like that would be really really helpful so yeah, like that would be cool um last last uh thoughts on the episode any anything else yeah i think like like everything like i said was firing on all cylinders is definitely like a top three episode for sure um it might be my second favorite next to mandalorian season two finale the rescue with luke skywalker and i was just thinking about that too because i realized i don't know if they've confirmed the timeline and the timing of ahsoka popping up in the book of boba fett because we know that there was like a yeah, significant gap. They left the Mandalorian timeline vague purposely. Yeah, because they're trying to weave it all together. They're going to do like Dave Filoni's going to get his own movie kind of thing. But the Book of Boba Fett piece is interesting because she is basically warning Din about Grogu. And we know that there was some time apart between seasons two and three. So Grogu was training with Luke for a significant amount of time. And she had warned Din about the attachment. So I'm now wondering, like, is this because she's been through this and whatever happened with Sabine was clearly about attachment? So that's why she cares so much about, like, telling, warning Din about the attachment? Like, does that happen after the, all this is resolved? So I'm curious to see how that plays out. Or if that just happened prior to this and she, that was just standard Jedi rhetoric that she's saying, oh, attachments are, are bad. But if she had, like, more of a reason because of everything that's happening in this show to like fear that that training of Sabine and everything. Right. Yeah. That would be, that. Uh, yeah. It'd be, be incredible. But my other thoughts are just that I think the second half of the series is going to feature Thrawn. I think we're going to get him in the next episode and he'll be featured heavily throughout the, the back half of the season. So I think that's going to be another important piece like Lars Mikkelsen, who's related to uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, Lars Mikkelsen is reprising the role as Thrawn. So he did the voice for the character in Rebels. Oh, cool. um, so he's going to get to come back and, and do it in live action. So it's going to be really interesting to see how strong is that performance and will that kind of, because Balin's school has been great up until this mm -hmm. point, but is that going to kind of drive the back half of the season into something? Because how, I'm, I keep thinking, like, how is the finale going to top this episode? You know what I mean? Right. How is it going to still escalate from here? And become something even better than this episode because this episode yeah, is going to be Thrawn, right? And it's kind of yeah. cool they're going to get to him like right around the halfway mark of the series and not hold off and only show him in the final episode. I, I like that. I hope to get to him soon. Okay, my only prediction is that they brought Hayden Christensen back for this series. He's going to get more to do than just like show up and like give her some words of wisdom. I think he's going to get to do something else. He's going to get to fight maybe in the world between worlds there's like something invading and they get to fight together or maybe they go on a little journey together get like sort of side episode i oh, think that'd be cool more of him than just like a force ghost cameo and that's my that's my prediction i really hope so and because i think no most... no uh prior knowledge of anything that's just what i want to see like we speculated right we we knew he was going to show up in obi-wan and we were hoping yeah. he's going to be like a strong presence and then 
I think most people thought if they he was showing up in this series at all, like it was going to be through flashback. I thought the same, or like you know maybe Force goes visit, but like way to get him through in a kind of a a flashback, not a flashback. It's kind of, it's kind of clever if it's what you said, right? Yeah, so it's gonna be interesting, man. Yeah. I, I think like I think it's only gonna escalate from here and this episode, Fallen Jedi, which I think was a great title because it applied to many different people, like the ultimate fallen jedi that we know in star wars is anakin skywalker mm-hmm. so when you consider that plus like ahsoka walked away from the order balin skull is another great example of a fallen jedi there was just a lot of examples of fallen jedi in this um episode so i think it was a great title and i think it kind of just set the stakes now and i think it's like there's no looking back like yeah. there's gonna be a lot of people that maybe drop off of star wars after the show but uh, there's going to well, be a lot, a lot of people that are on board for the ride. I'll have to, so, I'll have to check that out. So we'll, we'll wrap it up here. If you like our Ahsoka talk, um, follow us on our Patreon. We're going to be going into deep dives with each episode. Uh, Patreon.com slash back of my day. And you can follow the podcast on any social media app that you follow at day back in and listen on your podcast app of choice. Whatever you're listening, we're everywhere. And if you want to help the show out, you can leave a five-star review on whatever app you're using uh, or a five-star ranking or a little review. That really helps. And thanks for listening. And I'll catch you next time.